0: Hey guys, welcome to this episode of So What Else. I'm Caitlin. If you're new here, So What Else is a story-based podcast about our shared human experience listen, we can all learn from each other. Everything from the ridiculous and life-changing, the heartbreaking and hilarious, the everyday and inspiring. So today to share her story, we have Selena Ivoroni. So a few weeks ago, you might remember we had on Christine Kreischer and she shared her powerful story. She's the co-host of the Live Your Freakin' Life podcast. So Selena is her co-host of that podcast. So she came on and I got to chat with her for this episode. She is amazing. She Is a certified Enneagram coach, life coach, positive psychology practitioner. We talked all about Selena's faith journey, her health journey, mindfulness, and how that fits with Christianity and faith. You know, just there was, it was such a good conversation. I genuinely was like yesing the whole time when I was listening back to it to make notes for Maddie Carps, our producer. There's so many good quotes, so much wisdom that she dropped in this episode. I'm really excited for you to hear it. But listen, I have to tell you, midway through this episode, our connection like broke, whatever happened, I don't know. When I got back on, basically my mic was like wigging out. So there is some crackling in the second half of this episode. And obviously, Maddie Carps did everything he could, but listen, there's only so much you can do. So there is a little scritchy, scratchy thing happening, second half of the podcast. So sorry about that. We will obviously fix that in the future, but you can still hear all of our conversation. And I think you're still really gonna enjoy it. So stay tuned. Selena, welcome to So What Else. Hey, how are you? Good. You look so lovely with your curly hair. Oh, thank you. And I yeah. have my curls going today, too. I saw your I saw your Instagram this week about your curly hair journey.
1: Yeah, it is. um, It's a love hate relationship that I am with you. Yeah, I don't I don't know anybody who has naturally curly hair that's like, oh my gosh, I love it a hundred percent of the time, except for maybe Christine, the oh podcast with. Yeah, she loves hers all the time. I I love that. Fall into that category.
0: (laughs) No, me neither. I grew up hating it as soon as I was old enough I would blow it out straight like as you know when I was in like fifth grade like I remember my brother being like oh my gosh you were just blow drying your hair for like an hour in there and I'm like what do you want from me like I have very curly hair and it's thick and like I hate it and I was like self-conscious about it so I would straighten it so I straightened my hair for years and years and years then I finally was kind of like this is bad for my hair I shouldn't do this I should embrace my curls so like I kind of like I'm in the middle now where like some days I blow it out and straighten it. Some days I will blow it out, straighten it, and then like even wand the ends if it's like a a holiday. Mm -hmm. Then sometimes I just like straight up let it air dry. And it's the type of thing where it's not like I think it looks good. It's just that I have brought myself to a place of like I can't style my hair every day so like sometimes it's
1: like this place of quiet despair yeah. like I just <laughs> cannot today exactly
0: yes. like I'm just yes. like sometimes you just have to accept what is like oh my this word. is what it is I'm not blow drying my hair every day of the summer I'm like at the park with my kids like sweating my like I'm not doing this right so my older daughter she's five and a half she has like straight hair and like when her hair came in I was just like you lucky duck like you get out of the bath you brush it and it just like dries and it's so lovely and now my little one has really really curly hair and it's it's so freaking cute like on a baby like she has these crazy curls whatever but like homegirl wakes up in the morning and she looks like a psycho she does and and I already feel for her where I'm like your curls are beautifully adorable, but I know that when you're older, you're going to be like, I have these flipping curls that right? like, I, know. are frizzy and fuzzy and annoying me. You know what I mean? Like, because I've been there. Now. They might
1: not stay That's when they're true. that little. That's true. Sometimes That's true. They just, yeah, they just go away. My daughter is um, 17, she's a junior in high school. Her curls make my hair look mildly wavy. Like, oh. she has the tightest ringlets all over her entire head. Does her she hair like is long? It? She loves it.
0: Oh, her good. Her hair is
1: long, and it's beautiful, and people comment on it all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just, I could not deal with her hair. When she got yeah. to fifth grade, when she got to fifth grade, the end of fifth grade, she was going into middle school the next year, which means the school day started earlier. Uh-oh, I remember yeah. telling her that summer, listen, sweetie. Yeah, I need you to figure out your hair because what's not happening is me getting up oh. at six o'clock in the morning so that I can help you do your hair before you go to school. Okay. It's not happening this year. No. So you have this summer to figure it
0: out. <laughs> Make a plan. I'm, I'm a tap out on this one. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Uh, the hair battles with daughters. Holy. Oh my word. Yes. Listen, are you even a parent of a girl? If you have not made your kid cry while braiding their hair. Literally. Oh my gosh. It is the truest thing. And just at, I was like out this morning at dance and one of the, this mom was like fighting with her three-year-old in like the, the lobby <laughs> area. She was like, we're putting your hair up because you're going to dance. And she was like, ah! and she's fighting with her. And I literally just like did one of those like chest tap. Like I was like, yo, solidarity. Yes. I was like, Hey, yes. we just did it at home. It's all good. Like no one judges you. This is just, you. this is what it is. Yep. It really is. It really is. <laughs> what are you going to do? And my husband's always giving me that look like over her head. Like he's always like, why are you dying on this hill? Just let her hair like do whatever. And I'm like, no, she looks like a psycho. Like, I'm like, we have to at least brush it. My goodness. And he's like, yeah. I don't know why you care about this. And I'm like, I care. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. Fortunately, my
1: husband doesn't question anything hair. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, cause why <laughs> because, would he? Hello. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. We've been together since we're 18. Oh. So like he understands like do not. Yeah, do not just don't. Listen. I I love you. I respect your opinion. But when it comes to my hair, I, if I ask for it, awesome. Otherwise, I'm going to need you to tap out of that. That's 100% know your
0: place. Know your place. It's a healthy boundary. Exactly. exactly. I love that. I love yeah. that. Well, I mean, look the the curly hair journey is is not for the faint of heart. It's not. It is not. It strengthens it is us. So
1: not. It, I'm you know, trying
0: really hard. I'm trying really hard. I know. If it weren't so short, I think I'd feel better about it. Honestly, I think you look great, and I am not just saying that. I think your hair looks so cute. Well, thank you.
1: I, yeah, it's
0: fine. It's. I honestly, I'm
1: kind of like, well, I guess short is the best place to start because yeah. it's not as damaged. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, I yeah. Kind of, grow it out from here. So sure. this is what I'm trying. Could this change next
0: week? A hundred percent. Oh, absolutely. I reserve Ooh. the right to change my mind. If As I make problem. some kind of sweeping statement about my beliefs oh, yeah. on something, just wait a week. I might have a new opinion. So just absolutely true. hang tight, you know? <laughs> <Yes. Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> so other than being a fellow curly hair sufferer, I mean, yeah. that's dramatic, but you know, tell us, who you are. What do you do? I already told everyone you're a podcast host, but what else do you, what else do you do? What makes you, you? Yeah. So I do a couple of things. Well, yes. first of all, um, I have
1: my husband, Frank, we've been married for eternity. It's been a hot minute since we've been together, which is eternity. Great. Yes. Yeah. Well, we are so thankful. There was no social media when we got together oh, as my teenagers. Oh gosh. Yeah. Thank God every day for that one. Truly, two kids. I have my son, Alex. He is almost, he's like this close to being 21. It's so bizarre and wonderful at the same time. So he's in college. And then I have a daughter, Cassandra. She is 17. She is a junior in high school. And so we're starting to do like college tours this summer for her and stuff like that. So yeah, we are like staring down the tunnel and can see the light, to empty
0: nest. Are you excited? Are you scared? Like, which mom are you?
1: Well, so it's a little bit of both. Yeah. I remember we had kids early, not on purpose. Had <laughs> kids early. And I, I remember we were doing the math and I, re- I can still remember the day my husband was like, do you realize, Selena, that by the time we're like 45, 46, both our kids will be out of the house. Yeah. You so young and be able to do things. <laughs> you know what? You're Right. You're right. So there's yes. a piece of like excitement. Because totally. I actually don't really like my husband. So that helps. So that's there's the a piece of excitement. But there is that like, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Yes. They'll be out of the house.
0: Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. But you're right. Like having kids really young. I mean, like you said, it was accidentally. But people do that purposely because, because they're keeping in mind like I want when my kids are grown and out of the house to still be young. Yeah. No, As you are. I think there's something to that.
1: Also really think there's something to having kids young because listen, by the time I was oh. like 35, I have had friends who had kids later and I'm like, I'm tired just watching you. I could not have a toddler anymore. No, it really <laughs> like, it's is so not true. even an option. So yeah, so, absolutely. You know, that's uh that's home life for me. But besides that, I am a positive psychology practitioner and coach. So I do life coaching with positive psychology, um, which is so much fun, but then Mm. I'm also a certified Enneagram coach because I love love it. And honestly, I think the two go together so beautifully. And so Mm. I've just been having the best time doing this. I love that. All right. So what number are you? I am an eight. Okay. What's the eight? I'm surprised to absolutely nobody who's ever met me. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Eight is the challenger.
0: Okay. Love that.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, so
1: yeah, I, I love it now. Sure. (laughs) When I was first learning about this at the time, I was still working in a church and Mm -hmm. so very much like, you know, involved in church world. And when I read about the eight, it was so freeing Mm. because it was like, Oh my gosh. Okay. Wait, I was made like this.
0: Yes. Oh my
1: goodness. Because the messaging that you get out there often is be nice, be sweet, be all these things. Yes. And I always tell people while I am kind, Mm -hmm. um, I don't know that I've ever been called sweet in my life. (laughs) But It's just
0: a thing. It really is so true though, how like a lot of times, especially in like the Christian world, it's kind of like sweet- becomes like a fruit of the well, spirit yeah. or something. Yeah. Like it's just kind no. of like, Oh, you're supposed to, but it's like, not everybody is like precious. You know what I mean? Yeah. But like, that's okay. Like you should, like you said, we're kind. You can be kind. Absolutely. But if you're someone that's more of like a straight shooter that just says it like it is, that doesn't make you sinful. People exactly. are built that way. Exactly.
1: Yes. So yeah, when you're a woman eight. I used to, I always say this, a woman eight. In the church is the trifecta from health.
0: Straight from <laughs> Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh. Oh, well, good for you for pressing into that. But you're right though. Like it is really freeing. That's what I love about the Enneagram. And like, we won't go into an, a, whole, a whole thing because we did have sure. episode something. I'll check. Everyone who's listening to this. Episode number something with Kate Doyle. She's an Enneagram coach. She broke it down. She explained what it is, what the numbers are. If you have no idea what we're talking about, go listen to that. But- It can be so freeing when you first read about your number and you think, oh my goodness, okay, there's other people who think like me. Like, I'm not, I don't feel this way just because I'm a jerk. Like there's there's actual reasoning behind this. You know what I mean? Like why I feel this way and act this way and have these emotions. Yes, a hundred percent.
1: It was super helpful in that too when uh, my son Mm -hmm. discovered his Enneagram type. Oh my word, It was so amazing for us. I bet. Because he's so different from us. Yeah. And so we're constantly, we're playing that game of, is he okay? Right. right? Like, is he depressed? Is he this? Is he that? You know, because he doesn't do the things we do and he doesn't sound like we do. And it just was so different. And then to learn, oh, you know what? He's a five. Mm -hmm. And this is just how they are. Totally. and he's great. He's okay. Yeah. And it allowed us to stop making problems
0: where there wasn't one. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I love that. I just, I think it's just, I just think the Enneagram is so helpful in uh-huh. relationships, in understanding yourself, like, and uh, it even helped, like, this is so dumb, but like when I potty trained my first daughter, like I had like, I feel like A flippin' existential crisis over the whole thing. Like, I was like, I was so, like, I got so in my head about it. Mm -hmm. And when I learned about my Enneagram number, like, I'm a one. My husband and I had this whole, like, mind-blowing conversation where we were like, this had nothing to do with the potty training and everything to do with me feeling like, you know, there's right, there's wrong, there's yes, there's no, there's white, there's black, and it's like, I read this book that said this is exactly how you have to potty train and this is exactly how it's going to go. And for me, like, if it wasn't exactly going like that, I felt like it was, like, morally wrong. And it was like, no. Like, you know what I mean? But it it just helped me feel like— I'm not a psycho. Like, this is just like how my brain works. And it's good for me to be able to have language for that yes. and to oh know like that this is where my brain tends to go. And so remind myself of blah, blah, blah. Like just all the things. Yep, Yeah. I totally, 100% agree. I just yep. think it's so good. So, so all right. So you coach people on the Enneagram. I do. You're a life coach and you are a positive psychology practitioner. What yeah. is that? Okay. Tell me. Yes. I Tell us all it. the things. It is the best thing ever.
1: So if you think of wellness or well-being, okay, health as a continuum, right? Traditional psychology goes from zero. Zero would be neutral, okay. not mentally ill, not necessarily mentally well, just okay. neutral. Traditional psychology works south of neutral. So they're going from zero into the negative. So they're going into the pathology of psychology. They're looking to heal mental illnesses or fix what's wrong. Um, They kind of dabble in that end. So they're working to get people from negative to neutral. Positive psychology picks up at neutral and we work north of neutral. So we are looking at taking people from zero Mm
0: -hmm.
1: to mental health and well-being. Okay. Okay. You're focusing more on that end of the spectrum.
0: I like that. that. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. So, as you being a positive psychology practitioner, what does that look like? So, it's like you meet with people. Yeah. What does that so look What does your work people, look like?
1: Yeah. I typically meet with people one on one. I do a lot of my work via Zoom, which is mm-hmm. fantastic. Yeah, And the coaching that I do, coaching is often the best um, expression and application of positive psychology because you're okay. able to work with people individually. Just like mm-hmm. you would go see a therapist one-on-one. There's mm-hmm. group things that can be great too, but one-on-one therapy sessions can be fantastic. Positive psychology is similar in that where the yes. one-on-one really kind of helps people move forward. And so we are all about as positive psychology practitioners, forward movement. Mm-hmm. So it's okay. Let's look at where you are right now. Where do you want to be? Mm-hmm. And how can we get you there? And what I, a lot of what I do too, that I love is just helping people kind of take a 360 assessment of their life, of all these different areas of their life and go, okay, how satisfied am I actually with these? Mm -hmm. because it's amazing what we find when we actually take the time to look at it. Yeah. A lot of times I'll hear the same thing every time. It's, oh my gosh, you know, I really didn't realize how much this area of my life is actually lacking Mm -hmm. until I sat down and did this. And then we kind of talk it through and come up with a plan to kind of help them move forward. But Mm -hmm. what's so cool about it is that it's never my plan as a positive psychology practitioner, I'm not giving advice. Mm -hmm. I am helping people tap into their own internal intrinsic knowing Mm -hmm. and wisdom because we all have that. We just have a really hard time finding it. And so I'm helping them to tap into that to help them decide what their next steps are. And then along with that, we're bringing in some best practices for mm-hmm. positive psychology effects, you know, where we're tapping into um creating positive emotions, finding meaning, um, strengthening our
0: vitality, things like that. Yeah, yeah. So it's like helping people go from just like living to thriving. Absolutely.
1: And the term that they use a lot in positive psychology is flourishing. Yeah. It's, it's moving into human flourishing, not just existing, but that amazing
0: fullness of life and experiencing that. That's so great. So I read the blog post you wrote about mindfulness. I want you to take us through that for sure, because I just love that. I loved everything that you said. I'll let you say it and I don't want to give it away, but just like, I think that it's so important. You know, we did an episode with Amber Newberry, who does trauma therapy with girls through yoga. Mm, And I know that there's like, I think that there are just, like, some, like, people that feel like, ooh, that's kind of, like, woo-woo, like, we're tapping into, like, some, like, spirits or whatever. But, like, I feel like Amber was really clear, like, that's not what it is at all. Like, she practices holy yoga. Like, she was like, I feel close to Jesus, like, and I feel like my relationship with him really thrives, like, when I'm on my mat, like, doing yoga and, like, becoming in tune with my body that he— created that he gave to me like she said and it always stuck with me our bodies are the gifts that God gave us to experience the world through so like why would we not want to like care for them and be in tune with them in a way that helps us be more in tune with our creator and the funny thing is so like Amber said that in reference to yoga And then Kate Doyle, the Enneagram coach, said that in reference to the Enneagram and said, it's so important to do this inner work on like who you are, what motivates you and things like that on your motivations. Because again, God created you a certain way. So why would you not want to be more in tune with who you are, what makes you tick and the way that you function so as to help you be more in tune with your creator? And I thought that was so beautiful that they both basically had the same message about two different things and it makes so much sense. Yes. Oh my gosh. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. You know, it's, I've said it before and and I will say it to the grave that what I learned through all of this is that science and faith are not at odds.
0: Yes. They're not at odds.
1: In fact, what I learned, the the science behind all of these practices and what it physically does in our bodies and what parts of the brain it touches and what that does to us, how it regulates our hormones and all these things. Yes. It made me go, oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. how, How could you not explain this with God?
0: Totally.
1: How could you not? Yes. So yeah, I am not of the thought that this should be scary? No, I agree. And, and there's nothing to be afraid of. You know, mm-hmm. that was just one of those things I heard all the time uh, said at church. All truth is God's truth. Well, that's great. We believe that until until exactly right? until we say it, we believe it until totally. And so if
0: all truth is God's truth, and there's nothing to be afraid of, I agree with that. So you know, I I do like I we had two episodes, women who had been through significant trauma and EMDR was like a huge tool for them in healing. And I think that there are some people that if you describe EMDR, they'd be like, "Mm, that sounds a little like, you know, like I said, like kind of like, Ooh, what is that? Like kind of weird. Cause it's like, you know, whatever, like there's like tapping and vibration, stuff like that. And so like some people I think hear that and they're like, no, 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 no. Like that's No, it's not bad. They're not like putting you into like some kind of like weird outer out of body experience where you're like, no, it's literally like scientifically proven to help the neural pathways file away your trauma. Yes. Why is it that we feel like that threatens God? Because it totally doesn't. Like he's bigger than all of that. Like he created this, like he made our brain so that it functions this way. And yeah. how cool is it that somebody figured out this EMDR that helps us to heal our brain when it goes through significant trauma? I think that that's fantastic.
1: Well, I think part of the issue is that, you know, in, <laughs> I I use the word church world all the time. The yeah. Term. But in church world, you know, we're often taught that our bodies are bad Mm-hmm. and not to be trusted yeah yeah right and so I think it it becomes a threat to people within that mindset mm-hmm. when we're looking into ourselves to heal and not solely to God mm-hmm. but what we're forgetting is that he's the one that placed us yeah us. Mm-hmm. there's nothing to be afraid of there yeah so I think that's where it gets to be troublesome and also like look I I have been the person who's like yoga is bad like you cannot right. you are tapping into stuff like yeah yeah, meditation, yeah like you better stay away from it right I have been that person mm-hmm. and I have changed my mind yeah <laughs> and yeah. it's okay to change your mind. yes, right when you learn something new, you're allowed to change your mind. Absolutely. It's all right. Because here's the bottom line. You can follow that trail mm-hmm. all the way down if mm-hmm. you really want to. Because I often say like, okay, you want to go there? We can go there. Uh, did you put up a Christmas tree this year? Thank you. you a Christmas tree? Because yes. I mean, if you want to start digging at the roots of things, why don't you go ahead and start there? And 100%. then you can talk to me about yoga later.
0: <laughs> I <laughs> you know? Yes, 100%. totally, yeah. totally. Totally so all right the mindfulness thing so you were basically you were in a class or something and they were like we want you to practice these like mindfulness things and you and you kind of felt like "Eh, I don't really want to do that like take us through that story
1: yeah so we were learning about mindfulness and meditation it was actually a unit um, in one of my classes and meditation I understood Like I could get that it's for a set amount of time and Mm -hmm. you're, you know, focusing and usually you're just focusing on your breath and, you know, as thoughts come in, you push them away and you go back to focusing on your breath. And that is the practice of meditation at its core, right? That's it. I understood that. But mindfulness was something that I was really struggling with. I could not understand it because it was so much more abstract like there weren't these like guardrails around it that I felt like meditation had. And it was something we had to learn about for class. So I thought, okay, I need to find a way to figure this out. And so I have the um calm app and I looked at the calm app and here the they app. have mindfulness walks. So I'm like, okay, cool. So I put that on and I went for a walk. There's a trail nearby that I love and it's nice and easy for me to walk. And so I'm walking that trail and it's taking you through these different things. Like, okay, what do you feel? And can you feel your feet? Can you feel your toes? How does the ground feel underneath? What does the air feel like? Can you feel the sun? Um, what can you see? You know, what different colors are you seeing? Pretend you're seeing all of this for the first time. What are you noticing? Um, what could you hear? Um, at what could you smell? It never occurred to me to think about what I could smell while I was going for a walk. It was amazing what I could smell. And so I had done this a few times and really enjoyed it. And, um, after maybe a month or so of doing this, I met with my spiritual director and I was telling him about it. And I said, listen, I don't know why this works, but it does because when I'm done, I feel so good. And actually when I'm done, I feel so thankful, like such a sense of gratitude welling up. And um, he said, he said to me, "I want you to like go through that again and give me some feeling words. Like, what were some words that you were feeling during that time?" And I'm not a huge fan of feeling words.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I don't Uh, love my feelings. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, Well, I guess you know, at one point, I felt. This. And I guess at another point, I felt that. And then I saw this, and that made me feel this and that. And I was like less than cooperative, to be honest with you. And I would stop after like two words, and he'd be like, Yeah, keep going. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: yeah, He did that like three times. I was thoroughly Mm -hmm. annoyed. Meanwhile, he's writing them down. And I was finished, and he said to me, Okay, so I'm going to read back to you what I just wrote down. You tell me what you heard. He said, you told me that when you take these walks, you're feeling kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, all these things. And he's actually naming off the fruit of the spirit. And as he's naming them, I'm like hand over mouth, like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. He said, Zelina, the reason they work for you in air quotes is because you're encountering God on those walks. And I just was stunned because I was at this point of disillusionment and deconstruction at that time with my faith and with my, you know, journey with church. And I I was not looking for God. Not at all. On those walks. Um not even a little. It was like I I just need a minute from that. And to to then realize, oh my gosh, God was literally meeting me there when I wasn't even
0: looking for him and I was not asking for him. And it just blew me away. I just like, I literally like my eyes are hot. I, I literally was teary when I read the blog post and now I'm teary again, hearing it. Cause I just think that that is like the most encouraging thing you could hear about God like that. It's like you were in a place where you were feeling you weren't feeling very spiritual, quote unquote, Yeah, whatever. You know what I mean? Like you were just kind of like, I, you know what? Like I'm kind of questioning my faith. I'm not really sure how I feel about this. Like, I don't, you know, whatever. And then it's like you're in this class. They're telling you to lean into this mindfulness. You're kind of like, eh, eh, whatever, I'll try it. Here's this app. I'm going to go for this walk. And you're breaking it down. And it's like, oh, wow. Like You encountered God on those walks through this mindfulness app, you know what I mean? And he met you there. And I think that that's just like really beautiful. I really do. I think
1: what was even bigger for me was looking at what are the implications of that? Not just for me, for everybody, like just the implications, I don't know that anyone, I don't care what they believe, how they live. I, I I don't care. I don't know that anybody could be far from God because he's there when we're not even asking for him. You know? Yeah. Like the implications just felt huge. And, and I still think about it and I still don't know the fullness of what that means. And I probably never will. But it just felt like, oh my word, this is incredible. And yeah. I will never forget this.
0: I love that. So you mentioned in there that you were in a period of deconstruction. So for people who like have no idea what that means, it's like kind of popular now for people to, to talk about. Tell us kind of like, what does it mean? And like, take us through that.
1: Yeah, it's a bit of a buzzword right now. And, and I don't love that. Um, because I think there's a lot of misconceptions about what it is and why people journey into it. Um, I I started deconstructing before it was cool. Um, <laughs> You're so like I did it first. I did it first. Uh, yeah, no, I was not the first. Thank God. <laughs> but no, it, for I think it is a little bit different for everybody. But for me, it was I came to this point where I was looking around and going. Something's not right here. And when I say looking around, I mean, I guess I mean like at the church world at large, not just talking about a specific church or specific denomination, but just at large, because, you know, we're, we're taught to look at the fruit An apple tree is going to bear apples, right? It's Going to grow apples and good trees bear good fruit. And I was looking around at the fruit going, this is an awful lot of rotten fruit this is an awful lot of rotten apples
0: and uh, something's not right. Absolutely. And if somebody is like listening to this and they're like, I don't know what you're talking about. Listen, a very, very brief, non-deep Google search will help you to see that like people, you know, there's a lot of famous people out there who profess to like love Jesus and all the things and they certainly are not living like it. You know, (laughs) like there's just like a lot of, corruption and, and gross things that happen. And it's really easy for that to, to be very, very discouraging. I have felt very discouraged by that. You know what I mean? At times where you're just like, what is this? What, what, what is happening here?
1: Yeah. And it's, and it was, I think for me, a lot of it was how I was seeing people treat each other. Yeah, totally. That was what was, I think, so disheartening for me. And so, and there were other things and there had been other things that, that we were taught and believed that, that never quite felt okay to me. And I had always kind of wrestled with those things. And so you put all of it together and I'm going, I don't know what I think anymore. Yeah. So that process of deconstruction for me is letting, (laughs) as this is like a, I don't know if it's a dramatic way to put it, but it's kind of like let's burn it all down and see what still stands sure let's just see what still stands and and Jesus still stood for me oh yeah i don't know how much else did but he did right right <laughs> did. and so it was that process of dismantling like wait a second i was taught this but that's not true or i'm not seeing that and it's so incredible what happens when you start pulling that thread. Like when you start pulling that thread, I know people get scared because it's like the whole sweater comes undone pretty quickly. But my thought is if that whole sweater can come undone so quickly, then I'm guessing that sweater needed to be remade anyway.
0: Yes, totally. You know, and I even heard a quote by, oh, I wish I could like I'm not even going to throw out a name because I'm not sure who said it. But it was something along the lines of, like, you know, like, if you are, you know, profess to be a Christian and you never struggle with any doubts, like, you never question it, you never really, like, have days where you're like, gosh, like, I don't know about this, whatever. Then you have to wonder how deep your faith really is because everybody—everybody— should, it's healthy to take a moment at, you know, at a moment, I don't mean a literal moment, like it might be years at whatever, you know what I mean? Like, and, and set back and, and take some time for yourself to ask, like, do I really believe this? And if so, why? And am I not just going to like blindly accept information from people? Like I'm going to really dig into it myself, And figure out what I think and not just like intake information from one source, you know? And like be more well-rounded about this and like really understand, you know? And I think that that's not only okay, but I think it's good. I think it's good, especially if you've been raised like in, like you said, if you've been raised in the church world your whole life and never really taken a minute to stop and be like, I wonder like why this is, or I wonder what this really means, or I, what do I really think about this? You know, like I want to experience God personally and not just in a way that's been taught to me. You know what I mean? Like you just like, it's okay. You should test what it is that you believe to make sure that it is rock solid.
1: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that that was, for me, that was part of my issue. Because I just so blindly trusted what my leaders told me. And I don't I don't think they were out to deceive me or anybody. No. I'm not saying that at all. No. But there were so many times that I realized, gosh, I am doing, I'm having to do an awful lot of gymnastics to defend this belief or to defend this interpretation. And I thought, what if I stopped doing the gymnastics? <laughs> then what? then what? What's left? What's left of it? And so that process of dismantling and just undoing, a lot of undoing has been so hard and so lonely and at times so disheartening and I wouldn't change it for the world. Because at the same time, it's been so freeing so freeing because you know, I, and I, I will again, I'll just speak for me at the at the end of this, and I'm not at the end of this, I don't know that I ever will be, but today, as I sit here, my understanding of God is so much bigger, and that he is so much better than I was ever taught he was.
0: yeah,
1: the oh. result of this. He's not less. yeah, he's more.
0: I just think that's so beautiful because sometimes, so the negative thing with the term deconstruction is that, like you said, because it's kind of a buzzword, some people I think think it's cool. And so like sometimes people will be like, I'm deconstructing. And it's like, they're not really. What they're doing is they're just kind of like sticking a finger up at God and the church and walking away and not actually exploring anything and that's not really what this is. Yeah, that's a tantrum. Ex- yes. Thank you. That's a temper tantrum. You're mad because someone hurt your feelings like at church or whatever. And you decided to be like, man, like I'm leaving and I'm deconstructing, you know, fine. That's fine. And sometimes rightfully so. Sure. Totally. Deconstruction is work. Yes. But like what you said, you're like, no, I didn't just like throw my hands up in the air and be like, screw you. Like, You were exploring, you were working, you were, you know what I mean? Like, and, and you, you deconstructed in the sense that you like, and correct me if I'm putting words in your mouth, but in the sense that you like questioned things you had been taught, you, you know, put it to the flame or whatever the, you know what I mean? And figured out where your true faith and beliefs were. And you built up from there. So it was like a tearing down and a rebuilding. Yes. Deconstructing and reconstructing. It is my
1: word. Our understanding of God when we are 10 years old should not be the same when we are 20 or 30 or 40 or 50. For goodness sake. Thank you. Why that does not make sense to me, to others, is... is, I don't don't even understand that. That should make sense. And our understanding of him and our beliefs about him should change as we grow, as we experience more of life, right? Like my experience is irrelevant. I don't think that's true. My experience is a hundred percent relevant. God put me on this earth at this time in this body to experience life, I think that counts for something. Yeah, And so it's just been this incredible process of just sorting through one at a time. And when I think I'm just about done, it's like, yeah, okay, now let's think about this one. And it's been an incredible process for me.
0: I think that's just so, so encouraging for so many people. I just hope that like, if someone's listening to this and they're thinking like, oh man, like, Thank you, you know, because like there's so many people I think that really do like have certain questions that they're like afraid to ask or they're not really sure why they believe something that they believe, But you know what I mean? And it's like, it's okay to question. It's okay to dig in. It's okay, you know? And like like we said, God's bigger than all of that stuff, you know, like he can meet you wherever you are and he's not threatened by that. You know what I mean? I think it's healthy to question, it's healthy to wonder and it's healthy to make your faith your own you know, and not just blindly accept things, you know? And again, what's the fruit?
1: Yes. I have never felt more at peace. I have never felt more relaxed. Not like, like the striving is done. (laughs) It's stopped, right? I, that is the fruit for me. The fruit before was a whole lot of anxiety and works and, and rule following. Oh my word. The rule following Lord of mercy. I can't like,
0: yeah. yeah. Well, and it's funny because sometimes like you find yourself in certain environments where there's things that become accepted as truth. And like, if you really dig into the Bible, you're like, Oh wait, (laughs) that's not like actually in the Bible. Like that's actually something that someone made up. You know what I mean? Like it, You know, so it's just like, let's actually know what's like really in there. Yes. You know?
1: Yeah. Oh my gosh. One of the first threads I started pulling on, and this was before even 2020 and all of that. Um, I started learning about Proverbs 31. Uh, Notoriously, notoriously, I was the one in Bible study going, I can't stand that woman.
0: No, thank you. Okay. For people who don't know, Proverbs 31 describes like, this perfect woman, like the ultimate Christian woman,
1: like never sleeps. Like I just, I just can't. I started pulling on that thread and learned like, Oh my word. It doesn't mean that at all. My word that, that woman of valor is what it means. And it's a, it's like, I don't know, this strength and bravery in the face of danger. It's not somebody who can make you nice clothing and dinner. It's, that's not it. Yes. And it's not a checklist right. to live up to for goodness sake. Absolutely. I got to tell you a funny story though. I learned this and I remember the night I was reading about this and like pulling this all apart and going, oh my gosh, we have gotten this so wrong. And I looked at my husband and said, oh my word, that is, Phrase "Ashet Shail" is the woman of valor. Now, in most translations, it says "woman of noble character." Gag me, "woman of valor" is what they actually. (laughs) And I said to Frank, "That is getting tattooed on me somewhere soon." Yes. So we go to lunch a couple days later that Sunday with Christine, and we're sitting at lunch now. I'm an Enneagram eight; she's an Enneagram seven. I wing seven; she wings eight. So a seven wing eight and an eight wing seven, I've heard somebody say it's either catastrophic or cataclysmic, nothing. in the
0: So we're at
1: lunch with my husband and I am telling her about this. And her eyes are just bugging out of her head. And I told her, I said, I told Frank I'm getting this tattooed somewhere. And she was like, let's go. I said, are you serious right now? Because she didn't have any tattoos at all. I did she did not. Oh my god! And I said, are you sure? She's like, I'm so sure. I'm so, yes, we literally got in the car, left my husband. I am obsessed. You're like, peace out. Have a good day. I, I said to Frank, do you want to come with us? He's like, no, I'm oh, good. I love this. We literally left and went and ended up getting it tattooed. It was oh hysterical. Where, okay. Where'd you get the tattoos? Um, well, I have, we both have them on the side of our arms here by our wrist, I love it. but they're both different.
0: They say the same thing, but they're both different. Yeah. 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 I love that. That's awesome. See, you know what? It's just so true. Like, there's so many things that, like, for, like somewhere along the line, someone, like, we all heard the same, like, Bible study or something that told us that, like, if you're a Proverbs 31 woman, it means that you're, like, quiet and, like, a, like mousy and, like, sweet and you sew. Do you know what I mean? Like, at, at, somehow we all internalize that, whether they meant for us to internalize it that way or not. Right. Like, no shade at anyone. But for no. some reason, all of us that were raised in the church Got it that way. you know yes. what I mean? Like we all, yes. and then we all went through a period where we were like, yikes, like that's like totally not my personality. Like, ooh, and then it's like, uh, and then upon doing further research, you're like, hold the phone. Like, that's not what he meant, you know? Like, and then it's freeing. It's very freeing. It is, but you know what else too?
1: It allows me then, or allowed me then to ask the question, what else have I been wrong about? Yes. Yeah, and it's been so fun to find out what else I've been wrong about. To be honest with you, and it's been a huge part of the process. Like, it's okay to be wrong about something and say that. Yes, I was wrong. I've changed my mind. Enlighten in new information or whatever. Fill in your blank. Absolutely, it's okay. And so, yeah, it's it's been it's been the most fun. And two, like going back to my positive psychology class yeah seeing all these people from these different cultures all around the world the thought just the thought that that they are less than in god's eyes because they don't believe exactly the way that i do it was just absurd to me right it's different when the people the actual people are right in front of you yeah. As opposed to when they're just a they yeah. out there somewhere. Totally. So it really does make you dig in and, and question things. And again, if if we believe what we say, that all truth is God's truth, then there's no question we should be afraid of.
0: Yeah, you're right. You're right. I love that. I really do. Can you tell me a little bit about your diagnosis? You kind of like referenced before like tell me a little bit about your diagnosis and tell me about the term spoonie I've heard you use it so take me through all this.
1: Yeah. So back well, well I had mentioned earlier I did hair forever. And um I I literally woke up on the morning. I remember the day October 24th, 2012. Woke up in the morning and my left shoulder was killing me and I'm left handed. Okay. Me too. Oh we're the best. Yay. Yay. We're rare. Yes. Um, I had done hair the whole night before and had people coming in later that day, but my shoulder was killing me. And as the day went on and as days went on, it progressively got worse and worse and worse to the point where I was in constant excruciating pain from shoulder to fingertip 24 hours a day without any kind of relief. And just kept going to doctors and doctors and getting injections and X-rays and like, well, we can't find anything, and the injections weren't really helping very much. And so, uh, I ended up having to uh, close my business because I couldn't. I could. I was down to about twenty percent um, range of motion in my arm altogether. I could hardly dress myself most days. It was so painful. Um, and this went on for a couple of years, years. Um, and I'll never forget I went to pain management the one morning because they had me on all kinds of you know, nerve medications and all this other stuff. And he was like, wanted to up the dosage again, and it turns you into a zombie and it makes you gain weight. And I was like, I don't want you to give me more medication, I want this to be fixed. Yeah, and he, fix it. He said, sorry. You're just going to have to learn to live with it. Oh. And I kind of stood up and said, the hell I am. Yeah, right. No, I, I didn't kind of, I actually said that. Good. It's turned stormed out. And no kidding, later that day, I saw on my phone, it was a news report from a local news station that was doing like a general health report on this woman in California who had thoracic outlet syndrome, which was what it was suspected that I had, but nobody knew what to do with it or how to diagnose it. And she had gone to this surgeon in California and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, that's it. If I got to go to California, I'm going to California. I mean, I saw this on my phone and sobbed. Mm. It was like, oh my gosh, there's somebody else. Yeah. So I started really digging because I didn't even know what kind of doctor would treat it. Ended up finding a specialist at uh, Johns Hopkins University Hospital in Baltimore. And um, finally was able, I, I I just so remember my first visit. I went in, I sat down, he walked in the room, I burst into tears and said, you need to fix this because I can't do this anymore. Yeah. I can't do it. The pain was unbelievable. And um he was kind of like, Well, we can try some treatments. I'm like, nope. Nope, I'm not here for it. It's been two and a half years. I can't, I cannot do this another day. I want you to fix it. Um, and he 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 did. The surgery is really uh extensive. Uh, they had to. They go in and they remove your first rib. So, they remove, uh, my neck muscles on the left side. Wow. Just to make room, because um, with thoracic outlet syndrome, it's like a compression of the area in your shoulder that's called the thoracic outlet, where all these nerves and an artery goes through, and it gets compressed, and it causes excruciating pain and nerve damage. So to make room, that's what they do. So I had to go down to Hopkins and have that surgery. It was like a year long recovery. Um, I, they told me it would be a year. And I was like, no, it won't. And then I was like, oh. Yeah. It's a year, <laughs> yeah. Oh. It was really, really rough. But I remember waking up from my surgery and my hand didn't hurt for the first time in over two years. Oh, wow. It was just like, oh my word. Um, but unfortunately, you know, a year into that, into it. It wasn't, I was like, it's not a hundred percent. I'm at maybe 70. And so I ended up going back for another surgery and had to have a pec minor release. So I have no pec minor. I have no first rib and no neck muscles all on the left side of my body. They Just to make room. So I have to be very careful. Um, there's just certain things I can't do. You know, I can't really carry a jug of milk. Um, oh, I really? yeah, anything that weighs that or more is going to cause me problems, uh, because of the extensive nerve damage that I have, it went so long. It went so long, uh, before I was able to get it diagnosed and treat and fixed. Um, so I still have to be really, really, really careful. Uh, but yeah, that was a game changer. Yeah turned our whole lives upside down.
0: Well, you had to leave your whole career, your business,
1: everything. My entire career. I remember going to a doctor who said, when she was the first person who knew what it was, she said, so I'm pretty sure you have thoracic outlet syndrome and I can't fix it. And there aren't many people who will because the surgery, I think she used the word, is barbaric. Oh, great. Um, Yeah. And uh, and she said, oh, but by the way, you should know uh, you don't do hair anymore. She said, because if you try to push it, you will end up with permanent nerve damage and paralysis in your entire arm and hand, and we will not be able to fix that. So that was it. Oh, man. That was it.
0: Where were you emotionally throughout this whole thing?
1: Oh, my gosh. I was so, I was so, first of all, mad. Yeah. I was furious. Like, are you freaking kidding me right now? Like, what, I was... I was mad in general. I was mad at God. I remember being like, dude, I serve you every freaking day. And this, are you kidding me? You can't, you won't just touch this. Awesome. Thanks for that. Like, I was furious, but I was also in so much pain that I was just so tired and so depleted. And just like, I, I was angry, but I almost didn't even have the energy for a fight. Yeah didn't have it. So it was, it was rough. It was really, really rough. And I I call them my couch years. I spent probably three years, three, three and a half years on the couch. Cause it just hurt to move. Yeah. Between, you know, going through the process and getting the diagnosis to getting the first big surgery and that recovery. It just was it, it was just a lot. It was a lot.
0: How did you dig yourself out of that emotionally?
1: Yeah. It was not easy. Um, I gave myself some space, gave myself a lot of space. I did not try to sugarcoat it and I did not let anybody else sugarcoat it for me. I I just got to a point where it was like, okay, well, I can either push through and just deal or I can curl up in the corner and stay here. And that just wasn't an option for me. just wasn't an option. So that's what you do. You get up, you go, okay. And that was when I decided, all right, I can't do hair, but I loved psychology and I'm practically a life coach behind the chair. Anyway, let me go get my certification in that. Yeah. And so that's when I did, I got my life coaching certification between my first and second surgery. I was like, okay, do this. And just kind of went from there. But I'll tell you, Caitlin, what was so cool was, you know, when you're stripped away of that, that thing that you identify with so much and that others identify with so much when you're stripped away with, from that, you have a chance to go, okay, uh, what else can I do? And it was during that time that I discovered, oh, you know what? I'm a pretty good writer. I can, I I can write. And so I started writing things. Um, That was when I started writing curriculum for churches and things like that. I had no idea I could do that um, and started doing that. And so it led to, you know, learning about all these other things about myself that I probably would not have
0: taken the time to
1: find before. So that was actually really cool.
0: Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. I mean, it's not awesome that you went through that, the physical pain, all of that, but it is awesome that you didn't let it take you out, you know, and that you used it. And now you're on this totally new, amazing path.
1: It's a totally different path. And I still get mad about it some days because when I get a flare, because you get flares from time to time. And when I get a flare, it is, it's really bad. <laughs> it's really bad. And I'm probably kind of down for the count for a couple of weeks and Ugh. I'm rescheduling clients. And yeah, it's, it's just, I don't know. That's why. I, I don't know how to, I can't explain it and I caution people to try and figure out why (laughs) when they go through things like this, it's fruitless. I caution people from listening to people who will tell them they know why. Um, I don't recommend that at all. Um, And I caution people who are in the lives, close lives of people who have chronic pain conditions. Yes. Like, please give them space. I always say, let the suck suck. Yeah. Let what sucks suck. Do not try to make it better. Don't try to make it brighter. Don't silver lining everything. Just let it suck. It's okay. It's okay because it doesn't help the person who's in the pain. When you do that, it helps you feel better and more comfortable, but it does not help them.
0: Yeah, totally. So what is the term spoonie?
1: So Spoonie comes from this, um, this term that's used widely in the chronic illness or chronic pain community, um, and it's called spoon theory. And I forget who came up with spoon theory, but the idea is that you each day have a certain number of spoons that represent units of energy, so to speak. Like, this is how much energy I have for today. So, today's a five spoon day, or today's a three spoon day. And so, you go into your day knowing, okay, this is how many spoons I have today. These are the things I have to do. Uh, and then you stop when you're out of spoons, or you choose where to use them. So, like, a couple of weeks ago, I had I posted in my stories on Instagram that I was doing some cooking and and getting a bunch of things together because I was having some people over and I was really excited about it. And I posted about that and I thought, oh, I need to go back and say something. And I went back and said, look, for all those in the Spoonie community out there, this is what I'm choosing to spend my spoons on today. And I'm probably borrowing spoons from tomorrow. So I know what I'm doing. I know how it's going to affect me later. And I'm going to plan for tomorrow to there be a zero spoon day because I just borrowed two, right? And so it's that constant managing of energy, so to speak.
0: I love that. I love that. And that is so helpful because who among us does not either isn't related to or friends with or co- work with someone who deals with chronic pain or illness or whatever the case may be. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's, it, yeah. it's common, unfortunately. And yeah. we want to be encouraging to them, not discouraging yeah. to them and not draining to them and not yeah. asking more of them than we should, you know? The best thing you can do for them is believe them. Yeah, totally. So when you have
1: chronic pain, a lot of times it's invisible yeah. and you feel like nobody believes you. And so that is the best thing you can do for those people in your life.
0: That's, that's a good good piece of advice for sure. Um, Selena, this has just been so great. But listen, before I let you go, you have yeah. to tell me what is your favorite snack right now? Okay, listen, I have been thinking hard about this. Oh, okay, okay.
1: This is this is not an easy question for me to answer. I know, I know, um, because Trader Joe's. Listen, Trader Joe's is a problem. It is. Every time it's I go, the, I have a new favorite snack. Right, it's the best problem I have, but it is a problem. Yes. Okay. First of all, if it were fall, I would tell you. Did you get those cornbread chips that they had no. in the
0: fall? Oh, I'm mad now.
1: Lord of mercy, Caitlin. Oh. They were like little rectangles of crack. They were so good. It was ridiculous. They're a seasonal item. Oh, that I makes me so mad. mad. I hate like, that. Like, where is this? Are you getting more? It's seasonal. I'm like, oh. Uh, okay.
0: Yes. Okay. So, but right now, their dill pickle chips. Have you had them? Oh my gosh. No, but my husband would love them. He is obsessed with dill pickle, anything.
1: They are so good good they're like yeah they're stupid good they are my favorite snack right now if I can keep them in the house because my family eats them before I get a chance to
0: oh my gosh because 20 year old do you yeah yeah, exactly do you dip them in anything you know I don't I'm not a person see that actually says more about the chip like that it can just stand on its own like I feel like that's a real glowing like selling it is beautifully a thick chip
1: but it doesn't tear up your mouth. Oh, that's a huge you know, that's thing. those thick chips. Yes. Like, it's like eating
0: Captain Crunch Absolutely. without milk, right? Oh my gosh, it's so <laughs> bad. You regret it always, every time. 100% of the time
1: you regret it. Yes, no, and I wish, anyway, that's a whole other thing, Captain Crunch. But yeah, they don't rip up the, your mouth that's when you're amazing. eating them, but they're thick and
0: they are so delightful.
1: delightful so Delightful
0: chips. All right, I got to look. Next time I go, that's on my list for sure. Yeah. Other brands are not the same. Don't even bother. Okay. I agree with that though. I really do feel like a lot of times the um, Trader Joe's brand version like is better. Yes. Like I even got graham crackers earlier the other day and I was like, these graham crackers are right. like better. <laughs> they, are they're they like thicker so or something. They're I don't know what it is. Like they're, they're more like,
1: I don't know. They're just really yeah. good. <laughs> Have you ever gotten their chocolate covered, dark chocolate covered almonds with Sea salt, turbinado, sea salt. Yes. Yes. Oh my life-changing. I can't. It's beyond.
0: They're beyond. They're so good. They are proof that God exists. They yes. They're so. Whenever I make a charcuterie board, I put those on it. yeah as like a little sweet. Because it's like they're so so beyond, 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 beyond. I love it. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much. This has been so fun. Thank you so much for sharing so many things. Yeah, I know. I feel like we talked about everything. I know, right? So where can people
1: find you online? Yeah, so my website, you can find me at my website. My website is shutupn, the letter N, do it.com because my coaching is Shut Up and do it Coaching. So shutupn, do it, dot com. Um And then on Instagram, you can find me at Selena Iveroni. Um It's S-A-L-I-N-A. I won't even bother with the last name. If you can get my first name down, you'll be great. You'll find it. Um, And same on Facebook as Selena Iberoni, same on LinkedIn.
0: Love it. All right. We'll put all of that in the show notes, everybody. So go to the show notes. You'll be able to find it all there. We'll link your podcast, live your freaking life, website, all the things. Thank you so much, Selena. You're amazing. Thanks so much, Caitlin. This was fun. Hey, thanks for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, CaitlinElliott.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. And hey, if you want to toss us a five-star rating, I would love you forever. Check us out next week for another new episode. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Else. Editing and all that stuff by Matt Carpenter with Parable Productions.